What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Take-Two-Kowal, and we are Atlanta's own two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, I know it's not going well for you, just shaking your head over there, looking down, holding a beer, just like, fuck my life. But tell us how you're doing. Well, once again, Atlanta Zone <laughs> is here with technical difficulties. Things have just fallen apart ever since we lost intern Jared, is really what it comes uh, down yeah, to. Yeah, he was really the glue that kept the show alive. I mean, this is just a sad state right now. We're in my house. It's 100 degrees outside. My upstairs AC is out. Graham's microphone hasn't worked since 2012. And, uh, That's not true. <laughs> this, is the, this is the super old podcast, Mike. This is the one that started it all. So we started the podcast, which honestly I'm glad we have a reset. I thought it was going down a dark, dark hole. We were talking about Yanni Chorizos. You can't even say his name right. Exactly, because yeah. he, he's not worth discussing. We have a first-place baseball team, Graham. The podcast is back. It's only good vibes from here, Graham. Only good you vibes. You can't be critical. Just consume and, and, and don't think about it. That's what Adam's message is. Just got to enjoy your first place baseball team, Graham. You do, but it's at not, least at the mean, beginning of the podcast. It doesn't mean you can't look at things and be like, that. you know, what can be better? What can be improved? What should we look out for for October? Critical thinking. You, you can't think critical, but at this point, we got our team. We're running with it. We well, got to believe in it. My question is, Adam, here's the biggest question about the Braves. To me, looking looking down the stretch. Should we catch everyone up on what's going on with the Braves that yeah, haven't listened? Yeah, people that only get your news from, <laughs> from us, it's a big problem. The Braves are still in first place for like almost 40 games over 500. Um, they have like a 12-and-a-half game lead against Philadelphia, so everything is okay. We've had some ups and downs since we last talked to you guys um, with the pitching staff in particular. Had the worst ERA, or second worst ERA in baseball after the All-Star break. Um, but, and... Good news, we somehow also still gained like a couple of more games in the Phillies, even when we were really mediocre coming out of the All-Star break, losing to teams like Chicago and Pittsburgh, both Chicago's actually in terms of series. Um, but, you know, the lineup's been bolstered by Rosario, been bolstered by Ozuna recently when Sean Murphy and Austin Riley and Olsen have cooled down. Acuna keeps playing out of his mind. Um, Nicky Lopez has come over and done a decent job holding down second base and Ozzie Albee's uh, absence who's been on the injured list, but should be back hopefully by Friday. Um, so the team is still doing fine. But my biggest question, what we should have been talking about from the get-go when we first started recording this, is what do you do for a fourth starter in the postseason? What do you do? Who do you trust? You have to think that your starters going into the playoffs right now are Strider, Morton, and Freed in some order. But what do you do about the fourth spot and the rotation? I mean, I'm probably putting Elder out there. With a very short leash, like very can, short leash, you can you can bullpen it if you need to, like we did in the World Series run, mm -hmm. where we won a couple games that way. You still don't want to do that though. That's something you don't want to have to rely on of, of calling up. You know, you don't want Smith Shaver starting game two of the World Series or anything like that, or even game four of an NLDS. No, but like you know, Bryce Elder, a guy who has had a lot of success this year. You know, I know his peripherals aren't. What a lot of uh, sabermetrics guys. Oh, you don't like. have to look at the peripherals, Adam. But the last two, three starts, he's been very impressive. He's looked better, but he had like a five nine ERA in, in July, and yeah. he said a four four five, which is better, admittedly, in August. You know, Strider had a bad June, but as well. Strider's FIP has been outstanding even in his struggles. Still has like a three seven 
or 307 FIP, which is outstanding. He's just been having some bad luck in terms of actually giving up runs. But the things he controls, walks, homers, um, and strikeouts, he's still done a great job with. It's just been, I think he's run into a bit of an unlucky stretch. And we've seen him struggle this year a little more than last year. I think, I think he's still fine. Elder, on the other hand, not as much in terms of the actual sabermetric peripherals. Sure, but you're still running like he's pitched in some big games for us this year. He has. You're you're. Tr- I mean, what what's your other option? Like, what would you what would well, you put out there besides you him? have Kyle, Kyle Wright could be an option. He's rehabbing in Rome. We got to see how he does. Hopefully, if he can get up here in September and he pitches, if he looks like Kyle Wright, you know, that would be it. a game changer. Obviously. That would be a game changer. I, I think. That is what I would hope for. Um, Do I realistically think that happens? No. Yeah, on the previous podcast that we just recorded, you you said adamantly that I don't believe in no Kyle Wright. I don't. I'm just saying in an ideal world, in a fantasy world, that would be, and I guess it could still happen, but I think the chances are You slim. need to see him pitch a couple times. You've got to see him pitch yeah. at least five times before you can say, all right, I can trust that guy in October. But I think this is a problem that Anthopolis did not address at the deadline, and it's gonna. I think it will bite us in the ass, and I think we will be if – my hot take today is that we will lose in the first round of the division series. Whoa. And the reason why is because of the starting pitching. Again, because we're relying on Morton, who admittedly has looked a lot better. I went to the game last week. He looked awesome against the Yankees. Struck out 10. I think he went six or seven innings. Was was fantastic. He looked good in the start uh, previously to that and also is starting tonight So against the Mets. So we'll see how he does. But you got Morton, who's been up and down. You got Freed, who doesn't have his feet under him yet. And you got Strider, who, although has had a great season overall, even though I was just talking up his FIP and everything. But what it, what it comes down to is, is that you are running. Strider's really the only guy I feel really solid about. Freed, like I said, sea legs aren't there. Morton has been up and down all year, even though he's been more up than down, minus that stretch of six starts that were god awful. Um, after the, the All-Star break. So I just don't think we have the depth on the rotation to compete. I don't think we can beat Houston in a seven-game series if we went to the World Series. Or even I don't think we can beat Philadelphia right now with, uh, with their pitching staff. The one, But I'll also say that the offense is so good that maybe it can overcome it, but we know how things turn in October. We, we, we've seen historic Braves offenses like the 2003 offense with Sheffield, Chipper, Andrew, wilt under the lights of October. And I just worry that that could potentially happen again, even though they had a great season all the way through. They had like six guys that hit 25 or more home runs, kind of like how we have right now. So I don't know, man. I, I just I just don't feel confident about the rotation. The bullpen's fine. I think the offense is fine. It's that rotation that I'm worried about and the depth or the lack thereof. I just think this, I mean, you know, granted, I was, what were we back then? 2003, like 13, 13 14, 14, 12, 13. Yeah. I don't feel like I was, and you didn't have the social media. You, you didn't know the heart and soul of those teams like you do these teams now. And I, I just do believe, like, this team is too loose to just put up goose eggs in the playoffs. Like, they're, they've been there. They've done that. Like, there's a lot of pressure on them, obviously. But, you know, there's just so many one to nine unbelievable bats yeah. in this offense yeah. that, like, someone's going to be hitting. And, like, we, we've we've done well against, you know, Scherzer in the past and DeGrom, whatever ace has run out there, that I, I don't see too many guys out there that are just going to completely yeah. mow us down. That's not as big of a concern for me. 
I mean, it's still a concern, but it's not like it's very on the periphery. Like this offense continues to put up historic numbers, um, even though I just I'm totally kind of. Uh, What's the word? Dismissing it? I'm, I'm not dismissing. Yeah, dismissing is one word. You I'm, said uh, things are okay from potentially one of the best Braves teams of all time. Yeah, you could have said that about loss. the 2003 team that won 106 games and lost in the first round of the division series. I'm just saying, you get to October, weird shit happens, and you want to be solidified. The offense, to me, is solidified. Like, I think it's going to be fine, especially when Ozzy comes back. It's more about that staff, man. It's more about that pitching staff. You don't have any qualms with anybody. You're, you're, well, not, think, you're think, not worried about the depth. Think about it this way. Game four... You let Elder go through the lineup one time. He See get, how he's doing. He gets through three innings. Yeah. Then you, uh, fourth inning, you bring out Jesse Chavez. Fifth in- inning, Dylan Lee. Sixth two inning. Two guys haven't pitched in Sixth months. inning, Johnson. Seventh, now you get into. Um, I'm trying to blank. You got um, oh. that, that great Joe Jimenez. Seventh, now you're getting to no. Jimenez, Minter. Iglesias. Yeah. And there's like four other pitchers that have been like really good recently that I didn't even mention there. Sure. Right. And that's the minimum. Yeah. Elder's going to give you more than three. Yeah. It's fine, Graham. I don't know. I, I just feel like um, not enough was done to address this rotation, and I think it will bite us for the reasons I mentioned. I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't, I don't feel super confident going into the playoffs from, a, from just a rotation side. Bullpen, great. Offense, great. Rotation, eh. It's just like, how are, like, I think what we're really determined is how are they doing going into the playoffs? You know, like, that's the big thing. Like, what happened last year was such a freak thing with Max Fried losing 15 pounds, Strider coming back from injury, um, you know, all that shit. We, you know, Morton being the worst road pitcher in baseball last year from an ERA standpoint. That all crushed us. And so it's like going into this year. Is Strider going to hold up? He's still a very young pitcher. He's logging a lot of innings, striking out a lot of guys, throwing a lot of pitches. Max Fried has not pitched that much this year. Is he going to burn out? Charlie Morton, who's going to show up in October? Big game Charlie struck out 10 Yankees on Wednesday night or the guy who just sucked ass in the division series last year? I don't know. Did you just read Braves Twitter before coming over here or something? No. I'm you, just, you seem tight, Graham. I'm not tight. I'm just thinking about it. I'm thinking about logically in October, is this rotation going to hold up? I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking that given how much how, how – Poorly, they pitched. I do not for the most see us and losing since, since the since the All Star break. You I can't deny that it hasn't been good. I, I don't see us losing Freed Strider, and Morton's a big game pitcher. But do you think they're going to hold up beyond like how they pitch? Do you think like Strider is going to be healthy going into the playoffs? Do you think Max Freed is going to have his sea legs under him at that point? That's the thing I'm I'm worried about, man. It's just like these these weird peripheral <clears throat> factors that hurt us last year, and that's the reason that I want that you couldn't anticipate, that you couldn't predict. That's why I wish we would have gotten one more good starter. So if one of those guys goes down, you'd be okay. Okay. If you had a Michael Lorenzen. Well, that's a different reality than I know. I'm just saying, like, I know it's a different reality. I'm just, I just, I'm annoyed that we didn't do anything. I really, I just think we are betting everything on that rotation, and it's a very, very thin rotation with no depth, no depth on it. So. Okay. That's where I'm at. All right. Um, Let's talk about Eddie Rosario. How good has he been the last couple of weeks? Just yeah, October Eddie. Yeah, he he's here right now. He's hitting like four thirty-five the last couple of weeks. He's just like a, yeah, he's he's hitting home runs every day seemingly. Um, been outstanding. Hit a home run the game I went to uh, last Wednesday. Hit another home run last night with Marcelo Zuna on base. Um, just so good, man. 
422 over his last 13 games, four home runs, 15 RBI. 1.125 OPS. So you feel good about Eddie now? I feel great. Eddie's playing great. He's also making great plays in the outfield, which is weird. He's making all these diving catches. He he looks like he's locked in. Whatever vision issues or mental issues he's had are out the window. Love what Marcelo Zuna's doing right now. Um, Those were areas earlier in the season that you were yelling at Anthopolis about not addressing. There is no way, you can't tell me there's no way they wouldn't have dropped Ozuna if it wasn't for the contract with how poorly he was pitching or playing. I don't know, man. I mean, we've discussed this on the pod before how it's like his, how the fans feel about him is a lot different than how his teammates feel about him. But performance on the field, not, not necessarily his character. Sure. I mean, they were going to give him more than a month. Sure. And a lot of people wanted to drop him. But it wasn't until June or until he really got it going. I mean, it was two months of just brutality. Hitting. I thought he started hitting in May some. I th- maybe at the end of May. I don't know. It was still really rough. And considering how badly he was, or how bad he was the year before, it was like, all right, I think we've seen enough. But, you know, he figured something out, man. Those were areas earlier in the season that you yeah, were yelling terrible. at Anthopolis about well, not addressing. There is no way, you can't tell me there's no way they wouldn't have dropped Ozuna if it wasn't for the contract. With how poorly he was pitching or playing, I don't know, man. I mean, we've discussed this on the pod before. How it's like his how the fans feel about him is a lot different than how his teammates feel about him. And but performance on the field, not but, not necessarily his character. Sure, I mean they were going to give him more than a month, sure. and a lot of people wanted to drop him. But it wasn't until June or until he really got it going. I mean, it was two months of just brutality. Hitting. I thought he started hitting in May some. I th- maybe at the end of May. I don't know. It was still really rough. And considering how badly he was, or how bad he was the year before, it was like, all right, I think we've seen enough. But you know, he figured something out, man. And we're gonna need him, especially if if Sean Murphy doesn't turn around. That's a big bat that needs to be replaced. And Rosario and Ozuna are doing that right now. Yeah, what do you think's going on with Sean Murphy? I mean, I haven't lo- like looked at his numbers recently, but I know his hasn't been a fantasy baseball owner of his that he hasn't been as great. July only hit 216. Wow. Um, August, he's only hitting 100. What? Yeah. Things are not great with Sean Murphy. That's crazy. I did not know it was that extended. I mean, is it to the point that... Still has had nine home runs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's still some power there. But things have not... Especially after the All-Star break, it's just been like a disaster. I think part of that, you know, he got smacked in the head... It's a long season. Yeah, he was he was kind of playing above his his pay grade to a degree, despite the fact that he's a fantastic catcher. But you know, this is a guy who before this year never hit above two fifty. You know, he'd never hit more than eighteen home runs. He's already eclipsed that. He never had an on base percentage over, you know, three thirty in a full season. So it's it's not like. I think he was playing out of his mind. He's sort of regressed a little bit and just the exhaustion of, of the season. That's not to say he's not a great player. I think he is a great player, but offensively, well, see, it's it, wearing on him a little It does bit. seem like Darno's been starting to get a few more starts. Yeah, and I think that's okay. I mean, especially like, I feel like, especially once he took that hit to the head, it's been really bad. Um, Murphy, whenever that was, it was like a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if someone was swinging, just, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and, the, and the bad hit him in the, in the helmet. So. I hope he gets it together, because if he can come back and even be anywhere close to what he was, you know, in, in May and April especially, we'll, we're going to be in a good spot. Well, he's probably that next guy that wants Rosario and Ozuna go down. Murphy's going to yeah. come up. and Yeah, like the offense, and Arcia can't emphasize enough what a steal that was, and I don't know 
how the Braves, uh, really, I don't know how he, how Ar Arcia has turned himself into such a valuable commodity. I thought this was just like a throwaway position from an offensive standpoint. But he's been great. He's still, you know, hitting in the two, 280s, 290s. I think he's got 15 home runs on base percentage is good. Um, he's, he's not like a world beater offensively, but he's a very, he's an ab above average offensive player. And I just did not see that coming into this year. I wonder how many GMs there are in the league that see Anthopolis calling and they're like, no, no, I'm not no way. This. <laughs> like, I mean, there hasn't like all these deals. He, like he's just the poor A's fleece them time and time again. You know, the Matt Olson trade's ridiculous when, yeah. you, when you look back at what those prospects are doing now. Yeah. Um, that Arcia trade, and, like, both of those guys are out of the majors. Um, but it's just, like, over and over and over again. And, like, the guys he lets walk, like, turns out to be the right move, generally. I mean, I'd still say, you know, for example, Freddie Freeman's having the season of his life, but we have, not the season of his life, but he's having a great year still. And, uh, but, you know, Olson. Is a more than adequate replacement. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Um, I'd still say Freddie's the overall better player, but you know, Dansby's still, not by much. I mean, Olson definitely has you know a lot more. You know, from the power standpoint, he's the better player. He's hit like forty six home runs. He's slugging almost six hundred. It's it's just absurd. Now he has fallen off the last you know couple of weeks. I think he's hitting like below fifty. He's just not looking good out there. Maybe you could use a day off snicker, even though I know you hate doing that. Um, but before that, man, especially like after the All Star break, he's hit nineteen home runs. And he's slugged 650 in July and 675 in August so far. I mean, he's been on freaking real. So, yeah, man, Matt Olson's great. I don't think there's I – mean, he'll be fine. And he'll, he'll get his group back together. If you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend listening to Matt Olson getting interviewed on part of my take. Um, you know, he's on there for like 45 minutes or so. And it's just a side of him that you'll never – you don't see often just like that long form interview with like just two jackasses, you know, I suppose they're smart jackasses. We're they're just, very smart. We're just jackasses. We're just jackasses. Yeah. yeah. But, um, no, it's pretty cool hearing him like t talk about, you know, the battle of, of, of blooper and big cat. Oh, sure. And, uh, he, he also got into it a little too much and gave away that blooper is most likely a white guy in his mid thirties who actually talks which you're not supposed to do as a mascot. That's like number one. Oh, you guys talk. Yeah. So, so Big Cat was like all excited. He's like, "Oh, I finally got something on him." <laughs> but Big Cat like admitted that you know Blooper's great. It's like new mascots generally aren't as like funny on social media. Yeah, he's, he's as hilarious. Blooper is, and like he's he's just doing it all. But yeah. you know, it's, it's it's it was cool just hearing Olsen talk through like the clubhouse and how those guys are, and um, that's why they had asked him about like, do you think like once the playoffs come, do like you just like tightened up to, to get more serious and he's like look you can't like if you ever met Acuna and Ozzy like and like went up to them and like told them hey man like I think we got to get serious like they would just laugh in your face right and, and that's why they are yeah as good as they are and like yeah. don't tighten up in moments like that so yeah I mean I, I I do just think that yes you know on paper Graham you're right there's some concerns with the depth of the starting pitching and yeah, as we saw last year. I mean, it's the exact same thing where yeah. two fluky things happen yeah. with our two best pitchers. And that's and, why my antenna's up. And that's that's what happened. But, you know, this year it could come together. It could. It absolutely could. You could be like, fine. On, on paper, that's four good pitchers. 
Yes, on paper, that's four good pitchers and a very deep bullpen, and I think that is that what's going to carry us. Yeah, that is huge. You're, Along you're right. with our I, offense, of course. I am I am overlooking the bullpen a little bit, even though I still acknowledge like they're great. But yeah, that's the reason my antennas. You can run all. Minter out there for the first three innings, like we did. You before. could in yeah. the 2020 series. Yeah, like, like it's the Dodgers. playoffs, man. Like yeah. anything, you, anything you, can happen. There's no rules. Creative. No, yeah, you got to get creative. Like we're just sometimes. trying to make it through a long regular season now, and you know I do think that they are going to stretch this rotation out a little bit. Like you saw that with them bringing up Winnens on Monday to start, and Schuster's back now. Yeah. So I think that these guys are going to like get their extra days of rest. I think that's important to do, but still like pedal down for the most part. Yeah, I would say like you know September until you clinch that number one spot. Not even the division. I'm talking about the overall seed. Like yeah, you need to keep pedal the metal. But I still would say it wouldn't be a bad idea. And, and Snickers actually doing this tonight. You know, giving some guys a uh, day off every once in a while. You know, Rosario's getting a day off, and Pilar's starting tonight. Well, that's because Pilar crushes. I know. I know it's more so the matchups, right. but I would like to see. Like, Matt Olson needs a day off, man. He's what? not looked like himself the last week. He's hitting below 50. Well, he was terrible at a stretch at the beginning of I know, the year but and never got a day we're off. In this, we're in this dog day bullshit. Like, it's okay to give a guy a break, like, just for a day. Like, come on. I don't want to wear anybody out. I also don't want to, like, ruin Mojo or anything, but, you know. What the fuck do I know? Snicker what the hell has he been like, our backup first baseman? No one. Nicky Lopez is your backup first baseman, even though he's your starting I second baseman. I think Austin right Riley now. technically is. Um, I would I would put Lopez anywhere on the field. I think he's he's really good defensively. That was a really good. That was also something I was concerned about. Was like we have no backup infielder, and I think getting a guy who is defensive minded who can also hit a little bit every once in a while was the perfect. That was that was a great move by Anthopolis at the deadline. I was fully in support of that. And it uh, didn't really cost you much, and he's a, he's a valuable, valuable player, and we're seeing how valuable he's been since Ozzy's been out. Yeah, I think we have him for a couple of years as well. Right, and that's, that's nice. He's, he's a step up of Adrianza. Yeah, I would say so. He's a better – he's a more versatile player than Adrianza, I think. And I think he's probably a little bit better of a hitter. You know, we'll never forget Adrianza pinch hitting in game six of the NLCS and setting up the Eddie Rosario three-run homer. But I would say overall, yeah, I think Lopez is better. Mm-hmm. So, no, there's your Braves report. Trying to take two or three from the Mets tonight. I don't know who we're playing this weekend. I, I do think we have to mention, isn't it amazing to see how terrible the Yankees and Mets are at the same time? Yes, that was fun. Uh, going to the, I told you this last week, but going to the <laughs> the game, there were all these Yankees fans trying to get these Let's Go Yankees chance started and it, also, it happened initially when I was at the battery this guy was just sitting there at a table going let's go Yankees and I was like alright I'll let that go once and they did it again and I was like yeah enjoy last place and he's like doesn't matter if it's first place last place Yankees and I was like <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you you know it's good for you you're, you're a good fan but like go fuck yourself coming into like Atlanta the, the battery and sitting around all these Braves fans and then trying to get a like fuck you like I wouldn't like wearing, wearing a shirt is one thing starting to chant although I know we do that a lot we start to chop and a lot of people's uh, so what, maybe I'm contradicting myself you just here. don't like the Yankees I hate the Yankees the Yankees yeah. are the most hated team they beat us in two World Series I'll never forget the Jim Lairitz game I was there that was like one of my earliest memories it was horrible um so yeah, fuck the Yankees. And then every time they try to get that chant going at the game, I would just also I would go last place Yankees, and I got people to shut up pretty nice. pretty fast. And they'd be like, oh. they look at me like I just like I don't know found some dirt on them. Well, I was expose it. It's rare for them. I'm, I'm curious 
to ask you this question, Graham. What was the percentage of Yankees fans versus Braves fans? I would, it was overwhelmingly more Braves fans. Okay, but which there, is a change. You would still spot like pockets of Yankees. I'm sure there's still like 20% Yankees. Yeah, fans at least. The yeah, Yankees. I would say it's 20 to 25% Yankees. Fans. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, it wasn't like half and half or the Yankees were 70%. There's none of that shit. I mean, obviously, it, it's just so cool how. Obviously, just with the Braves at this point, you know, the Falcons aren't there. But I think if we start winning, we will get there. Whereas, like, that whole, like, terrible Braves fans, you know, idea that used to be out there is just completely gone now. Yeah. To where now Braves fans are, like, top five best fans in the league. Yeah, in terms of attendance. And, yeah, I would I would agree. Luke Jackson was getting shit for this. He's with the Giants mm-hmm. now. And, like, he, in the media, spoke openly about how Oh yeah, Giants fans are great. Braves fans are great, but like, there's just nothing like Atlanta fans. Like that's just a different atmosphere. Nice. It's a different level. I'm of sure. Fans. Like, like, like Luke, Luke is our boy. Like that was still bring him home. That's my regret for the trade deadline that we didn't bring Jock and Luke home. Well, the problem is the Giants they belong still, here. They're still in the playoffs. They're still in the playoff kind race. Of, they're a half game back of the wild card spot. There's no kind no, of about it. They're floundering. They've they're been, floundering, but they're still in it. No, one, like no one has really taken over that last wild card spot. No, and I think that's going to continue. And that the American League's kind of the same way. So, which kind of shows should there be a third wild card spot? I like it. It, it makes things. You know, it, it it fucks the trade deadline. Too many a teams bit. are in it. That yeah, shouldn't be in it. Yeah, but it it makes it more exciting for baseball. I think. Yeah. So, uh, can't think of anything else baseball wise to talk about. I guess we'll leave it there. Okay. Football is happening. Rise up. Uh, rise up. Uh, they had their first real, real preseason game with the Stars actually playing last week. A tie against the Bengals, 13-13. to uh, The score matters. We did, we did get to see the offense, and they had a nice little opening drive. Um, we got to see B. John Robinson, his first carry. He looked crazy. He looked like he got the ball and then, like, fast-forwarded. To, is that not the like craziest yeah. run you've ever seen in your life? It was cool. Like he just ran between the tackles and then he was like ten yards up the field. And I was like, oh. okay. It seemed like he was surrounded the entire time. Like, yeah, he was just such a perfect specimen of a running back. Graham. Yeah, like he is small but strong and fast. Yeah, could catch, could catch the ball from anywhere on the field. Yeah, it's it's exciting and like I've never been so hyped up to watch like. A first drive of a preseason game. Yeah, there's just so, a lot. That there's so much youth on the field, and we got to see them all. London had a great. He had three catches, I think, for 30 yards. Had a great over-the-shoulder catch. Pitts was involved. Pitts got a catch, which was good to see him. I didn't know if he was going to play or not, but that was that was good seeing him. It was a little short, like eight-yard pass, but you know, he looked he looked like himself, which was nice. Ritter was a little up and down. You know, he had some some passes were good, like the London pass. Some a lot of like three or four passes were behind guys, but they're so talented that it didn't matter. Um, I would like to see him get another drive, honestly. Um, just to, you know, got to remember that he has hardly played. Yeah, I mean, that's all. weird if he doesn't play at all in his third game either. Like, he probably won't. And I, I would I would like to see him go. One I mean, series doesn't seem like enough, but. No, I would have liked to have seen him play a couple of series. Although it was a long drive. And we and, and the Falcons, uncharacteristically, they were, they were uh, first and least amount of penalties last year. I think they got like 10 penalties or 13 penalties in that game against the Bengals. And the majority of them came with the starters playing. Um, bad holding calls against Lindstrom, although one of them was kind of bullshit. And then you had um, you know, some false starts in your own building, which is crazy with only like probably like 10,000 people in the stadium. <laughs> um, you know, you had some, you had some, uh, some bad, bad things happening there in terms of just discipline. 
um, for an offensive stand and a defensive stand where there are a number of penalties defensively or some bad holding calls in the secondary. But overall, it was nice to see Clayus Campbell almost get a sack against uh, Trevor Simeon, but he didn't quite bring him down. But he, man, he looked great moving around at age 36, 37. He, he had him wrapped up, but Simeon was able to get the ball away. Um, yeah, overall, I think it was a successful night for the, for the Falcons. Um, but you do want to see those penalties get cleaned up, and you'd like to see Ritter clean up the accuracy on his throws a little bit. Yeah, and the one interception he threw, it was like it looked, I think it was to Scotty Miller, yeah, our new number three wide mm-hmm. receiver, and you know it kind of looked like pass interference. It was pass interference, but he shouldn't have thrown that ball there. Right. There was. I noticed this. I'm glad you mentioned that. I noticed that on that play and another play. I think where he was looking at Matt Collins, where his eyes were on the whole time. It was like I I knew just watching on the TV who he was going to before like pre snap. Like he wasn't moving his head around. It was like his his head was locked on Scotty Miller that whole play. And I was like, you know, that's something he's just got to work on. I'm not going to freak Especially out. Especially in the red zone. Yeah, I'm not going to freak out and crucify him or anything for it. But I'm like, that was very noticeable. And I'm sure if I noticed that, then Smith and Ragnon noticed that and are getting on his ass about it. So I'm excited about Matt Collins, man. Like he looked good. Like he looks just like a monster. Yeah, out he's there. very tall. It was weird watching the Falcons' offense and being like intimidated by the players. You're just not you're not used to that. It's like everybody we threw the ball to. I was like, oh, that guy's good. That guy's good. That guy's good. It's not like you know. As much as I liked, uh, who is the little guy I love so much? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Yeah. As much as I like Zacchaeus, he doesn't strike fear into your heart or anything. No. I mean, it's like like you look at those weapons out there, like London, Holland, um, Johnu Smith. Like just in terms of like new guys as mm-hmm. well. Like Johnu Smith against Kyle Pitts, Algier, Bijan. like Bijan, like. Algier didn't get much in that game. But, yeah, you're right. Overall, it's, it's like, exciting. It's, it's crazy. And, yeah. like, Corderell is going to be back. And I think he's a big part of this offense. He's hurt right now. But I think he has a big role to play. I wonder how much. Especially in the red zone. I don't think. I think he's going to be more of a bruiser kind of running back and then used in little gadget play. I don't think he's going to see nearly as many snaps as he's seen the last two years. That's why these Falcons are kind of scary in fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, a Bijan. It's like the, the, we've got a lot of mouths to feed out there. We right do, now. and and I think you know the, all the players are taking their attitude about you know it's especially Bijan. I'm really impressed by his maturity. You know, both reading reading uh, articles about him where he's been interviewed or seeing him after the game. He just seems like he's got great head on his shoulders. I know people are going to bitch about Jalen Carter till the end of time, but you cannot say that there's anything in Bijan Robinson's makeup, character, background. That makes you go, oh, I don't know if he's locked into football. I don't know if he's going to perform on the field. He's not, you know, he doesn't show up overweight to a to a pro day. Um, you know, it's like there's none of that. There's no controversy there, regardless of whether or not you thought. And I didn't think we should have taken him at all, even though I think he's could, could potentially be a transformative player. It's just I, you know, I am all about the trenches, as you all know. We just avoided that again for some reason. But I will say that in terms of. Skill set, character, he's the complete package as a football player. You cannot get on the Falcons for drafting him in the sense of he's like, I think it's okay to be like, yeah, Carter might be a beast in Philly, but Bijan might be a beast here. It's not like just because Carter might be good, Bijan's going to suck or vice versa. It's like, that's not the case. It's just like with everything leading up to him, you don't know how these things are going to play out. Bijan probably is, you know, is the better football player at that point in time because of where Carter is in his life and his career at this point. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird, I mean, had Carter not been at that place, he would not have like been on the board for us at eight. Right, so it wouldn't have mattered. Like, yeah, he someone else drafted would have him number one yeah. overall. Right. Like eight other teams passed on him as yeah. well. Right, and yes, these reports out of Philly is that he looks amazing. 
He could be he could be the best D tackle of all time. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if we win a Super Bowl in the next five years. It, it doesn't, but we just need one. This 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 experiment is very interesting. I've never seen a team build the way the Falcons have built, where every draft, your first overall pick is a skill position player. It is weird. It is building from the outside in as opposed to the inside out, and I don't agree with the methodology, but we'll see how it works. Maybe it's a new way of doing things in the NFL and whatever. I don't know, but it is it is weird. Maybe it's a coincidental thing. Maybe that wasn't like the architectural plan. It was just they went with best player available in their opinion. But if this blows up on Fontenot and it doesn't work, then, you know, heads will roll. So we'll just see how, how it works out. It's just it's fascinating to me to not be like, oh, we're not going to solidify the offensive line as much, or the defensive line. The offensive line is pretty decent, but more so, like, you know, we're not going to go after, a, like, a quarterback. You know, we're not going to try to find our franchise quarterback in the first round. We're going we're gonna to do that with a third-round pick and see how it works, and then we're going to build with these skill position players and then attack the defense and free agency for the most part, while also sprinkling in some, some draft picks there. It's a really, really weird way to build a team. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. But on paper, it's very strange. You know, defense is intriguing so far. I think we had like six sacks in the first preseason right, game. Right, It's preseason, but it still, it's, it shows schemes. I guess. But once again, like I, won't, I will not get that excited about getting six sacks against the other team's backup players. Like, no starters were in the game for either sure. team. Sure. It's cool. Yeah, you're right. It's I mean, like, that's good that, like, people are buying into a system and that your backups are overwhelming Ryan someone Nielsen. else's backups. What do you think about Ryan Nielsen versus Dean Pease? I don't know. I mean, I don't really know seems much. Seems like Nielsen has a lot more to work with. Nielsen does. I, I wish Dean Pease would have stayed one more year because I feel like that guy busted his ass, you know, in his later years for the Falcons. And then, I mean, it was his choice. He could have come back. Um, but I think Nielsen is a very competent more than competent defensive coordinator. We've seen how nasty those Saints' defenses have been the last four or five years, uh, particularly on, in the trenches, and you like the attitude that his players bring. And we got some of those players. We got the Anya Meta and, the, the, and, and Ellis you know, to come over here. And uh, so I think he's a good coordinator. I have no issue with him. We'll, you know, we'll see how, uh, how it works out this season. But I think if you're going to replace Pease, who did great work with very little, um, this was a, a good get. And it's also a guy who knows your division. I don't think that can be overstated. He knows your division really well. He knows your biggest rival really well. So that helps out a lot. At the end of the day, I think we've got room to grow. Like, So if we start off slow, don't panic. Mm-hmm. Like The South on paper is extraordinarily weak. You could win with win the division with nine games or nine wins again. Right. Yeah. You know, like you look at these quarterbacks in this division right now. Yeah. You've got a rookie. Yeah, Bryce Young. In Carolina. Yeah. Carr. Carr's with New Orleans. Right. Well, that scares me a little he's, bit. He's your best. He's the best quarterback in the division on paper right now, going into the season. Tampa Bay, what are they running? I don't even there? know. I don't know anything. Tampa Bay is... is I, know, I know they've got... Um, they will finish in last place. They've course. got the rookie from Florida. Oh, yeah. Right. But, but they have like an actual like veteran who's like... Right. Yeah, I can't remember. Probably not as good as Heineke. Probably not. Um, yeah, I'm not worried about Tampa Bay. I think this is a three division race. Let's see, you know, see how good the Saints are. Is Michael Thomas going to play a full year? Is Derek Carr? Is his body going to hold up after taking a beating in uh, Las Vegas and in, in, in Oakland? Based on our clearly limited knowledge of the division, very, very limited. I'm the most scared of the Saints. You got to be the most scared of the Saints. I think also. I watched Hard Knocks and saw how terrible the Panthers' offensive line looks. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Really, I'm not worried about them. But I think they're going to be the worst team in the league. Wow, that's that's a hot take. I don't think they'll be the worst team in the league, but I will be very interested to see how Bryce Young, you know, accumulates in the NFL because even if they don't have a good season, but he looks good, that's scary for the future. Um, but the Saints, I think, are have the most experience. They got the best quarterback. Uh, they have a pretty good roster overall, and then we gutted their defense a little bit. You know, Cameron Jordan will haunt me for the rest of my life. So I will always be uh, fearful, respectful of the Saints. And I think a lot of the national pundits would say it's their division to lose right now, whether or not that's true or not. Who the fuck knows? But, uh, you know, eh, yep. we'll see how it works out. Falcons, I think, are flying under the radar, and I like that. And everyone's just looking at Ritter saying, oh, we don't know anything about him, so the Falcons will suck. And it's like, you know, the rest of the team has been built up pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Ritter, he doesn't suck. I can say that much confidently. I don't think we know yet. Like, I think he could be an average quarterback. I have no idea what to expect from him. It's a massive, massive wild card. <laughs> it is. It's big. For the most important position on the field, it's yeah. like, it's just like... The most important position in sports. It's basically, you're going onto a field, you're butt naked, it's negative 30 degrees, you've been handed a, a, a pistol, and you're told that there's a, a pumpkin in front of you, and you got to shoot the pumpkin, and it's only about 20 feet, and it's dead ahead, but are you going to be able to hit the pumpkin when you're freezing your balls off? And you do, and your hands are shaking. That's sort of where the Falcons are at with the quarterback position right now. You could hit the pumpkin, but you very well might miss it. I feel like we've just kind of set it up to be like, you know, the Ravens and their like Super Bowl year in two thousand, or uh-huh. like running Kyle Bowler out there. Or no, it was, um, well, he not, didn't not, not Bowler. He didn't win the Super Bowl, but Trent he was Dilfer. Dilfer. Yeah. But like they kind of just rolled with mediocre quarterbacks and a great running game. And a great defense. I feel like that's what we're going for. Like, there's so yeah. many weapons around him but right now. We also now. have such a great. We have great wide receivers court. as yeah. well. Like running backs. Like, he's just got to make the right reads. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to be a hero. He doesn't have to be Mahomes. No. He just has to avoid turnovers, throw the ball for 200 yards a game for a couple touchdowns. That's all you really got to do. When you think about it, it's a genius way to build a team as well. Because like, if it works with Mahomes, they pay him all the money. Yeah. And then like just bring in a bunch of random guys to be wide receivers and running backs, whatever. Yeah. Like have Kelsey out there. Right. And he's that good. But though. like for this, it's like we're never gonna have to pay this guy a lot of money unless he really pops. Unless which, he, yeah, who knows? Which I doubt. But like, you know, we're building around that position and just plug in a guy who's gonna be smart and buy into a system. Yeah. So we'll see how it works. It's uh we're like twenty days away from interesting strategy. Falcons. Yeah. After the game tomorrow, uh, or I guess tonight when you guys are listening to this, then we'll then then it's uh, off week and then on to on to the Panthers game. So NFL is right around the corner. But Adam, I think that's it for the show today. Uh, it's good to be back, and we'll hopefully see you guys next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. <laughs> Almost forgot that. It's been so long. Hospitality. <laughs>